Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. If you have a copy of Scripture, you want to turn there with me. Acts chapter 8, that's our, our passage today. And uh, you might remember about uh, 10, 12 years ago, a series of commercials that came out. And the theme was, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. These were great commercials. I don't know if, you've, if you saw these hilarious commercials. And I think I might have a picture. I, I don't know if you, if you guys have that yet. So you have the, the PC guy in the suit, right? And he's, uh, you know, he, he looks very business uh, you know, very, very business. But then you have the Mac guy. He looks casual. He looks cool. And the PC guy, you know, he's kind of always complaining about stuff and the problems he's having, right? And the Mac's like, you know, we, we don't have any problems, right? And, and the, the whole point of this was that Mac is cool, right? And if you're cool, you'll buy a Mac. That was the whole point of of the commercials, right? Now, I know I'm treading into very dangerous waters because some of you are very passionate about whether you're a Mac person or a PC person, okay? Like, I, I know, I know. So just let's all calm down together. The point I want to make is that when you have, you know, a, a Mac or a PC in front of you side by side, okay? If you were to look at the specs, like the processor, the, the memory, uh, you know, they both have a keyboard and a mouse and a screen. I mean, they're, they're very similar and their capabilities are almost identical to one another, right? But what's the difference? Well, Macs cost twice as much. Right? That's, that's the first. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What's the difference between those two machines? Well, if you're a Mac person and you use someone's PC, Right, you're totally lost. Like, I, I, I don't know where things are. If you're a, a PC person and you use a Mac, you're like, how does this work, right? Because it's the operating system is very different, right? The, the experience of the machine is different because of the operating system. And today, I want us to look at something from Acts chapter eight that I believe is something that we need to get down into our operating system. You see, the, the operating system of the kingdom is, is the culture of Jesus. It, it's the culture of the kingdom. It, it's, the, it's the things that we value. It, it's the things that we celebrate, the things that we hold dear. It, it's how we treat each other. It's what we believe to be true about God or true about ourselves in light of God. It's, it's the feel. It's what's natural, what's normal. It's the, some might say, the vibe, right? It's the culture. And today, I think there's some things that we need to get down into our bones, down into our culture. And it has to do with the things that we're going to see uh, God doing in Acts chapter 8. So if you want to go there with me, I'm going to start reading in verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. If you have a copy of scriptures, you can go. If you have an app, you read on your phone, perfect. I also have it on the screen for you in the same translation that I'm reading from today. Here's what it says. Acts 
an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace, queen of the, of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have this story in the middle of Acts. Jason did an amazing job setting up Pentecost and talking about the the purpose of Pentecost and the power of God, the spirit coming upon the church in this incredible moment. We see many people come to Christ that very day. And here we are just a few chapters later in the book of Acts. And there's some things in here that I think we need to understand and some things that we need to get down into our culture. Now, I just want to talk about now who is Philip? Who's this guy? So Philip, if you look back in, I believe it's Acts chapter six, there's a moment where the, um, the, the, the widows of the Hellenistic Jews are having a dispute with the widows of the Hebraic Jews and they're getting overlooked in the distribution of food. The apostles say, look, like, we don't know how to, you know, deal with all that. We, we need to devote ourselves to prayer and teaching. And so you choose from among you seven people who are full of wisdom and a good reputation, full of the spirit. Philip was one of the seven. Now, here's what's important about that. The Pentecost moment, the spirit comes upon the apostles and they begin to preach and teach. But now we see this second generation person who has the same spirit of God in them, the power of God using them mightily, which tells us that this power was not just an apostolic thing, but it's for all believers in Christ, that God wants to empower you. He wants to empower us. And, And we see these amazing things happen in the story. I mean, talk about the ending 
Philip is transported, and that would have been about 30 miles. So that's like you being here and then showing up in Pearland all of a sudden. Like, that's, that's crazy, right? It, we see these amazing, miraculous things happening. But I just want to point out some things to you that I think are incredibly important for us to understand. The first thing is this. God is on mission. God is on mission. Think about what happens in the story. Philip, you know, he's just sitting there one day and an angel of the Lord appears and says, go that way. He goes. As he's going, the spirit says, go, go next to that chariot right there. Now, here's how the story could have gone. Philip had been listening to the apostles teach, and they had been talking about sharing their faith, and he hadn't really done that. He felt really guilty. He had a guilty conscience about not talking about Jesus more often, and so he's like, you know what? I'm going to do it today. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go find somebody. I'm going to go share my faith with that person, and so he starts walking down a road, and then he sees a chariot, and he hears some guy reading the Bible, and he goes and asks him, you know, do you understand what you're talking about? I mean, what, what you're reading, and then he explains the whole thing, and the guy gets saved, and gets baptized. It's an amazing story. But that's not the story. Philip is just sitting there. And then God begins to point him, to direct him. See, here's the thing, is that oftentimes there's this kind of man-centered culture, a, a culture of effort, right? It's, it's guilt-induced striving that happens in the church, right? We, we, we view God as detached and distant, and we're going to do some stuff for him. And if we do it well, then this distant, detached God is going to be really happy with us. He might even bless us in some amazing way because we're doing all this great stuff for him. And what happens is it results in using the Bible to guilt each other to do stuff. We can drop little uh, truth bombs on people, right? We can do the Jesus juke. If y'all if y'all know the Jesus juke, right? Somebody says something and you have a like a pithy little scriptural comeback, and it's like, oh, I'm convicted now, right? So that's what happens is there's this culture that's created around like he's this distant God, and we're just gonna do some stuff for him. We're gonna try to make him happy. The problem is that this yoke is not easy and this burden is not light. What happens is we begin to think that it's all about us. It's all about us making these things happen. And the biggest danger is not that you burn out or, or, or that you think it's all um, you know, effort-based. The biggest danger is that if it goes well, you get the glory. That's the biggest danger. God will not share his glory with us. This passage teaches us that it wasn't about Philip getting his effort together to go do something. God was out in front of him saying, go this way, go there, go next to that chariot, revealing that we're not doing missions for God. It's that God is doing missions. 
God's doing mission. Now, let's talk about the word mission, because what does that word mean? Because it gets used, you know, a lot. You know, we're into mission. You know, uh, that could be, you know, doing dental work in South America. It could be, you know, a million different things. It could be digging water wells, providing clean water. It, It could be food distribution. It could be COVID relief. It could be, you know, empowering people with education. There's lots of ways that we could do mission. And I think that all these things are amazing things, and we're into all that stuff, right? We're into, we're into the, the end of human trafficking, right? These are things that we believe are good, but what is the word mission really about? Well, if you look with me at verse 35, I think this gives us some insight into the ultimate aim of mission is that God tees up this moment with an angel and his voice to speak for this. Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. Mission is all about us proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And if we do all the stuff, the aid, the relief, the, all that stuff, and we don't tell the good news, then I think we've fallen short of what the Lord has called us to do in mission. Now, guess what? We do relief. We do water wells. We do all that kind of stuff in order to tell the good news, to platform the gospel. But it's all about the gospel. So the mission that God is calling you to, believer in Christ, includes proclaiming the good news about Jesus. So God is on mission, right? The second thing that I think we understand is that he's inviting you to join him. You want to follow Jesus? Guess where Jesus is going? He's going on missions. And he's inviting us to follow him. See, the story could have gone this way. A eunuch was curious. He was spiritually hungry. He got a scroll, very expensive scroll. This guy probably had some deep pockets. And he was puzzling, and then an angel of the Lord just appeared and showed him exactly like what it all meant, and the Spirit gave him this understanding all of a sudden, and it's like he just understood it perfectly, and he received Christ right there, and then he baptized himself in the water. <laughs> no, that's not how the story goes. You see, throughout the scripture, we see this interplay of God moving and then inviting us to join him. It's like he wants us to partner, to co-labor together. He's inviting us on to mission with him. We see that the spirit, I mean, the angel spoke to Philip. The spirit told Philip in verse 29. The spirit of the Lord carried Philip in verse 39. And then Philip proceeded to tell him. You see, God positions Philip, and Philip proclaims Jesus. That's what happens in the story. It's like a a great coach. I had a great coach my freshman year of 
of, of high school. We were, uh, I was at a, a small private school in Austin, and she was uh, an, an Olympic athlete, however, had, uh, was supposed to go to the Olympics in 1980. Of course, there was a boycott that year. She couldn't go. And she was Renee Rochester, just amazing woman of God. And she took this ragtag group of like scrawny little private school boys, and she worked us out. I mean, we were doing drills, and we had the plays down, and we weren't, we weren't super like gifted, but we could full court press the entire game and we went we would play she'd have us play 5a high school teams and we would beat them because she was such a great coach loved it she was so good though that what she could have done is trained us and then when the game time came she could be like you know what y'all just stay here on the bench okay i'm going to show you how this is done (laughs) right no, 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 that, that, that would make no sense, right? The coach trains you to put you in the game. And that's what God's doing in our lives is that he's doing things in us. He's training us. He's equipping us because he wants to use us. He wants to use you in his purposes. You see, God's call, it's always to you and through you. His calling for you, it's for you, but it's beyond you. It's bigger than you, but it includes you. There's a blessing in it for you. It's like when Jesus is feeding the 5,000 and his disciples are there and he's like, hey, these people are hungry. And they're like, yeah, let's send them away into town. He's like, no, no, you feed them. And they're like, what? There's no way. Bring what you have and let me bless it and let me break it. But it included the disciples. They got to hand the bread out and see it multiply. His calling is always to you. He says, come, right, follow me. Come follow me. Come into my inner circle. Come be in my life. Come follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. It's always to you and through you at the same moment. It's bigger than you, but there's a blessing in it for you. So God is on mission. He's inviting us to join him the third thing is this. Anything is possible when you do. Anything is possible when you do. You see, there can be this um, idea in the church that mission is something that they do, right? The missionaries come and they give us a slideshow and we give them a few dollars and they do it. It's amazing. I love to hear the stories. Or my pastor, or my church leader, or who, they're going to do it, and it's going to be wonderful. But that's not the picture that we see in scriptures. It's something that I do. It's, it's no longer the dreaded duty for God, but it's an exciting adventure that I get to live with God. Because anything is possible when I join him. I mean, think of all the lines that are getting crossed in this story. Philip is a Jewish guy. 
there's this persecution that breaks out. He's scattered into Samaria. If you know the background, Samaritans are like half Jew, half not Jew. And there's like this whole, they do not like each other. They kind of revile each other, hate each other. And now Philip's being carried into this people and he's seen God move mightily. Lots of people coming to know Jesus through his ministry there. But then this angel you know, and the spirit lead him to this, this eunuch who has deep pockets and deep, beautiful brown skin, an Ethiopian man. And we see the gospel is crossing every line in barrier. Not to mention angels showing up and spirit speaking and the surprise ending of being transported to Pearland at the end. Like, right, that's, that's Star Wars level stuff, okay? And it's impossible. All of that is impossible. That, that just doesn't happen unless God is on mission with you. And then all of a sudden, things that were impossible are now possible. This is different from the world that you and I live in, the culture that we're in right now. Our, our culture is a culture of secular rationalism, which basically says, if I can't explain it and scientifically prove it, then it probably didn't happen, right? And there's kind of like another um, mode of this that can happen in the church of like, if I can't um, show you exactly a verse in scripture that explains that this does happen or should happen, then all of a sudden, like, it's not possible, right? It's, it's Father, Son, Holy Bible, the Spirit. Yeah, we don't talk about that, right? Because we don't, we don't understand all that stuff. It's this culture of either secular rationalism or sterile biblicism, and everything has to be systematically explained Away, but here's the thing is that we're not called to live a life of theological math. We're called to live a life of scriptural faith. Philip didn't have a strategy, he didn't have a systematic plan. He was just there. And God spoke, and an angel appeared. And all of a sudden, things that were impossible are now happening. It's possible. Welcome to the wild and wonderful adventures of following Jesus. Now, another thing that we can see in the church is a culture of fear. There's a culture of fear that can be so prevalent, especially, I think, in the American church, because you read enough articles about the decline of the church, and you're like, wow, you know, it's, it's over for us. Or there can be a, a, a push to reassert Christian dominance via legislation. And I'm all about good laws. I'm all about blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Okay, don't hear me wrong. I'm all about that. I just want you to remember how did we become a Christian nation? It's because circuit riders went from town and village and place. And you know what they did? They proceeded to tell them the good news about Jesus. And over time, through the great awakening and the, the, the work of missionary people who lived as sent people of God, guess what happened? It's what happens every time. 
in the kingdoms of men is that when the kingdom of God begins to permeate the people, all of a sudden, the, the, the nation begins to change. And if you get that backwards, it causes problems because you cannot legislate a change of heart. You can't. You can pass a law and it won't change a person's heart. They need to hear the good news of Jesus. And God's inviting us to join him to tell them. We see it whenever the mosques and the temples are being built in our city. And there's something in the Christians that's like, let's move farther away. Because this is kind of scary. We don't know what to do because this used to be a Christian nation. It's a culture of fear. And here's the thing. The spirit doesn't lead Philip to a Christian commune. The spirit leads Philip onto a desert road to meet a man who looks very different from him and to tell him the good news about Jesus. My friends, let's just jettison the culture of fear Let's remember that we serve the God who is above all names, all rulers, all powers, the God who has all authority, that everything is in submission to him, the God who's at work, the God who is still moving by his spirit, the God who's still pouring out empowerment on you and on me. And let's join him in the mission of our community, in our city, in our church. I just wonder, does anybody want to walk with God like that? Are you signing up for that? Angels showing up and showing, hey, go that way. Spirit speaking to you. Go by that uh, SUV over there. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. I'm signing up for that. I, I want to walk with God, and I think you want to walk with God too. You want to be used by him mightily. You want to see the impossible become possible because, well, God showed up. And so, friends, let's talk about what do we do? What do we do in light of these truths that God is on mission and that he's inviting us to join him and anything's, impo- uh, anything's possible with him? Well, the first thing is this. Uh, I was thinking of those moments where you have the spinning wheel of death on your computer screen. Y'all, y'all have that before, right? You know, it's like maybe you had too many things open or whatever, or you're just like got software that's pushing your machine too hard, and it's like, and you're like, oh my gosh, like you just want to you know, poke your eyes out because it's just so frustrating. And what do you do, right? You have to do a system restore, right? It's like things get so tangled up inside of that machine that things are not computing. And I think when it comes to the, uh, the culture that we live in or the culture that we uh, might experience even in the church, that there comes a time where we have to go back to the system default settings, We have to get this back down into us because things are not computing anymore and it's not making sense to us. So we have to come back to the word of God and say, Lord, how does this work? I'm I'm mixed up and I need to understand you. So we need need stories like Acts chapter eight that remind us of the factory settings. And I think for us today, maybe there needs to be some, some restore, some restoration of factory settings. Maybe something that I've, ex- I've uh, explained in the culture that's just like, man, that's me. It's where I live. And, and I need to get back to the factory settings. The second thing, 
Sometimes you just need a new computer. Hello? Right? Sometimes you just need to take that machine and do what you've wanted to do for years, which is just like throw it in the trash can or throw it out a window or whatever that looks like for you, drop it off of a 10-story building, right? And get a new machine. And by the way, Jesus already paid for that machine. He delivers it to your doorstep. But you have to receive it by faith. It requires repentance and belief. And if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your savior, you you need a new machine. And if you'll turn away from your sins and from doing life your own way apart from him, if you surrender yourself to him, right, he will give you a new heart and a new mind and a new spirit and you will begin to walk with God. So restorative factory settings, maybe there's a, a need for a new computer. And then I was just thinking this week, I, was, I went to the track uh, early this week and I was just kind of having like writer's block and I was like, I'm just gonna go, I've heard that physical activity is good for you when your like, brain's not working correctly. And so I just walked, I walked laps around a track. And as I'm walking about a mile in, I just thought, God, I'm just gonna walk until you speak. And as soon as I thought, God, I'm going to walk until you speak, I thought, that's it. That's it. We walk until he speaks. Some of you are in the middle of some things. I think about Philip having an angel say, go down the desert road. Do you know that leads to the desert? He, he just goes. And I wonder if there's ever a point along the way where he's like, what do I do? I'm just walking. (laughs) He said to walk, I'm gonna walk. And it's like, he's just walking until God spoke again. He's like, oh, the chariot. And some of you might be in, in between some things and you have a word. God's told you some things. He, he wants to point you in a direction. You're going that direction, but now you're like, okay, hello, I'm on a desert road. I just want you to know that he will speak again. He will speak again. You just, you're, you're waiting for the next update. And I just want to encourage you to wait well, to pray, to seek, and to live in light of what you know already. Live in light of what you know. You know what it is to follow Jesus. You know that he's spoken to you about some things. Don't abandon those words because he hasn't spoken again today. Walk in light of what you know and he will speak again. I think that sometimes we can begin to believe that the mission, the, the next awesome thing is always out there somewhere, wherever I'm not. And I just want you to think maybe mission is just like in the middle of whatever you're in right now. You're like, all I see is my two-year-old every day. Praise God. Maybe all you need to see right now is your two-year-old every day. 
We erroneously think that it's always out there somewhere else and never right where I am. And I just want you to think, maybe God, maybe there's something that you're inviting me into right now in the middle of my life and I just don't see it. I don't, the people that I'm around, I don't feel like they're even open to you. And maybe right there, right in the middle of that, that's exactly where God wants you to be at this moment, in the day in, in the day out of life. Lastly, let me close with this. Some of you are like, he said mission, which means it's not for me, it's for someone else out there. Wrong. God wants to use you. If you live with the assumption that God would never want to use you or to invite you into mission, I just want to ask why. Why do you assume that? Maybe you're here and you're just hoping there's enough grace to forgive you, just to forgive you. I, I, just, want, I just want to be forgiven. I, I, you don't need to use me for anything. Maybe you've ruled yourself out because of your past or maybe some things in your present. And I was reminded this week of the disciples, these ones like Philip and, and Luke and Matthew. And think about these people that were invited into Jesus's life. And it wasn't like, hey, if, you, um, if you'll do this and you'll get rid of that and you'll do that and, just, and then you can join me. It's like, Jesus like, come follow me. And it's like, if you watch their story, it's like this thing that happens over time where Jesus is transforming them step by step by step. And I just want to say, um, there's a phrase I think I'm going to preach on at some point, but the phrase is this, participation over perfection. If you've ruled yourself out from ever being used by God, being invited onto his mission, I just want to say that maybe God's calling you right now to join him. And if you'll just trust him and take step by step, he's going to use you mightily. I want to challenge you. Do not rule yourself out of being used by God. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too ruined. Jesus can use you, and he will, and he wants to. So don't rule yourself out when Jesus has ruled you in. Amen? So let's get the culture right. Let's get this down into our bones. Let's get this down into our operating system. Let's orient ourselves around God's mission. He's on mission. He's inviting you to join him. Anything is possible when you do. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.